From which book will we be studying this afternoon? Sir, book two, what happened to book one? It's dead and gone. Oh, I hope not. My Bible tells me the Word is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. But for the t present time, we've passed on. Book 1 ended with Psalm 41. So book 2 starts with Psalm 42. Which psalm did we deal with last week? That's right. <clears throat> we had Lord's Supper instead. Who preached last Sunday afternoon? The church? Where does the Bible say that? First Corinthians? What verse? 26. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so last time we looked in the Psalms, we looked in the one the same number as the year I was born, 53. You got anybody here born in 54? Finally got up to the number of the song that matches the year I were born. And the Lord willing, next week we'll look at Psalm 55. Somebody here I have good reason to believe was born in 1955. Double name. I won't mention her name. <clears throat> She's a couple of years younger than me. Telling her age, and I'll get you in trouble. That's right. <laughs> That's how you know the congregation be alive. Yep, yep. <clears throat> you know, there are some people who say, being a Christian is just a hoot. It's so much fun. Everybody loves you. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, tell that to Paul and Silas. Tell that to the majority of people for the last two millennia who have suffered. Some people don't know what's in there, but the book says all that live godly shall suffer persecution. It doesn't go down so easy, does it? <clears throat> when Mr. Spurgeon compiled a commentary on the Psalms, he called it David's. You know, the rejoicing. Now, David didn't write all of them, but he wrote quite a few of them. And David didn't always have it nice and easy. He had it pretty rugged sometimes. In fact, the little 
heading in my Bible, maybe yours says this, but you got it. It says, To the chief musician on Nagino, Maskell, a psalm of David, when the Zuthim came and said to Saul, Doth not David hide himself with us? You know what David was hiding? It wasn't because he's afraid of Goliath's kinfolk. He was hiding because there was a target on his back. And you know who put that target there? It was his own father-in-law. I didn't always see eye to eye with my father-in-law. But I honestly don't think he ever envisioned a target on my back. But there was a time when David realized, in fact, he admitted, I'm but a step from death. And it wasn't because of the Philistines. Because of his king, Saul. And so, in my study, I have designated this psalm, When the Righteous Are a Target. If you're living for the Lord, not everybody is going to give you your good book. You will have a target on your back. They might smile in your face <coughs> and only plot again you behind your back. It happens. Don't be surprised. The closer you are to the Lord, the less the world is going to want to schmooze with you. So when people say, I'd rather not do that stuff, well, Jesus said, if they've hated me, what do you think they're going to do toward you? We have seven verses to read here. And I hope it'll be a blessing to you. Save me, O God, by thy name. Judge me by thy strength. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers are risen up against me, and oppressors seek after my soul. They have not set God before them. Behold, God is mine helper. The Lord is with them, but uphold my soul. He shall reward evil unto my enemies. Cut them off in thy truth. I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. For he hath delivered me out of all trouble, and mine eye hath seen his desire upon mine enemies. This is a good song, isn't it? Of course it's good for the Lord. It may not be what we want to hear. We might say, I... I don't know, that kind of kind of concerns me. It's not all sweetness and light. But sometimes we are a target. And David, a man after God's own heart, David's godliness aggravated people. Now if you say, well, the good Lord or the man upstairs and that's about as close as it gets to 
making any allusion to the spiritual world, most people probably aren't going to give you too many problems. But when you start saying, when I was reading, Marcia has several ladies that uh, communicate with her on the beepity beep. And there are a couple of them. I'd rather not mention their name, but if you get the beepity beeps and you read them, you probably have a clue. She says, so-and-so doesn't spread gossip. So-and-so doesn't whine about what's going on in her life. So-and-so doesn't bemoan the political, economic, or geographic concerns. But she talks about the Lord and how precious He is to us. As one of my friends likes to say, that's a good thing. Say, people say, oh, there's trouble, there's sin. The Lord doesn't sugarcoat that, but it also is where, where sin abounds. Grace does much more abound. That's not just there to take up space. That's to encourage us. I see three major thoughts in this song. And the first is taken up with the bulk of it, the first five verses. First of all, we're reminded of our dependence upon God. Now, when I finish talking about that this afternoon, that doesn't mean, okay, forget about that, folks. We're moving on. No, you don't never get beyond your... Don't never. Get, you don't get beyond your, your dependence upon the Lord. Now, my dad didn't make a big thing about spiritual things, but... Even he, once in a while, would sing, I need thee every hour. He did. Every time he reached for the paddle. <laughs> he had three boys. You tell me, I got, I got three boys. Well, my condolences. Because I was number one, so I got clobbered coming out of the gate. And then Randy came along, and if he did what I did, he'd get it too. And then Jeff was probably pretty smart. He saw Steve got spanked when he did this. Randy got spanked when he did this. And sometimes he'd do it too, and he'd get spanked too. That's the way it goes down. There's a problem. God is holy, and we are not. And God has never promised to come down to our level and sin with us. I think some people, we were talking about a fellow in our youth, Norman Greenbaum. Didn't you say all the money that he's made from that song? The guy is, has wealth being probably most of us combined off one little song. And he's a hypocrite when he said, I got a friend in Jesus. He also said, I never sinned. A true friend of Jesus wouldn't say that if he knew what Jesus said. But this world wants Jesus to be their friend. They want to talk about everybody like, you know, they, they've gone to heaven. 
They're wonderful folks. You become very unpopular if you're the person walking around the funeral saying, do you know that they're with the Lord? Oh, I'm sure they are. Why? Why do you ask that question? Of course they are. Everybody in the Edward knows that. Really? People would say, you've done stopped preaching and done commenced meddling. But there are enemies. Absolute enemies. Not just fakers. You know, people watch a movie and they watch a TV show and they see this actor and in this particular show, he's a good guy. Yeah. And you see him in another one, he's a bad guy. He's a dirtbag. I read that uh, John Wayne had a little time with Kirk Douglas. And somebody said John Wayne never acted. He, just, he was himself. You know, he's the rugged individualist and fights for truth, justice in the American way and didn't even have a big S on his shirt. And Kirk Douglas, he sometimes played a good guy and sometimes somebody is a little wacko wacko. John Wayne Chuck, what do you want to play somebody like that for? And he says, well, I'm an actor. I play different roles. I go through the motions. You know, Larry Hagman played Mr. Nice Guy, the astronaut, on one TV show, and people said, boy, he'd make a great son-in-law. What a great guy. And then when he was J.R., boy, everybody hates him. Well, <laughs> as a thespian, as an actor, people would say, that's a good actor. He can convincingly play the part. Can't imagine Captain Kangaroo playing J.R. Ewing on Dallas. But some people just wouldn't seem to fit. But we have legitimate enemies. There are those who don't have the right mind, the right standing before God. We've already seen, not only in the 10th Psalm, but also in the 53rd, just two weeks ago. God is not in all their thoughts. You know, speaking about movies a few years ago, this, this guy from the land down under, Hogan, name. He played a character named Hulkabarl Dundee. He got people saying, no worries. In other words, it's cool. Not a problem. And that's the attitude of the world. I'm not afraid to die after all. <laughs> not a sinner. I never sinned. Boy, I'll catch on quick. Let's all buy into that. Psalm 36 opens with this. The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. Hmm. Paul famously repeats that in the third of Romans when he gives a catalog of the depravity of man. There's no fear of God before they're, oh, they're afraid of crime. They're afraid of big government. They're afraid of foreign powers. They're afraid of disease. But God, 
ah, here's some big softie that somebody made up. He's kind of like Easter Bunny, and Santa Claus, and all those other blessings all rolled into one. But when we are dedicated to the Lord, the litmus test is how do the lost carry on about you? I had this on my mind as I was preaching this morning this passage in the Gospel of John chapter 7 the world cannot hate you oh it's good you know who they hate? they hate the Jesus in you Christ in me the hope of glory I have a hope of glory but the world doesn't share that hope they don't hear about Jesus they might only hear about doing some good works, getting a pat on the back, getting recognition from folks, having a good feeling about themselves. There's all kinds of psycho babble out there telling you you shouldn't have any guilt feelings. It's not too far from saying you're not really guilty. There was a group again from my youth who would come out and during their live concerts, at the end of one of their songs, they go, forgiven, 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 forgiven. And the spokesman for the band would step up and say, you're all forgiven. I don't care who he is. He doesn't have the authority to forgive sin. But men are cheap about that sort of thing. I told you I wouldn't tell you who that was, but some of you might know who I'm talking about. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. It's the Jesus in you. It really makes people uncomfortable. John 13, verse 16. John 13, 16. Verily, verily. In other words, truly, truly, I say it. The servant is not greater than his Lord. Neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Hmm. And if you didn't get the message just yet, chapter 15 of John, verse 19. If he were of the world, the world would love his own. You know what your unsaved neighbors would love? For you to tell them tomorrow morning, you know, I just, I'm going to quit going to church. I'm quit reading the Bible. I'm going to quit praying. They'd say, well, you finally came to your senses, didn't you? They don't want to hear about people that have the Lord first and foremost in their lives. If He were the world, the world wouldn't love His own. That's what I'm talking about. You're finally going to be just like us. The world would have loved for Noah to say, what am I built this big boat for? I'll just be like everybody else. Why not just stick out like a sore thumb? I'm sure a lot of his neighbors would have said, oh good, Noah. Let's not even think about all this judgment stuff like that. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Hey, uh, not to talk too much about the obvious, but that does talk about election, doesn't it? 
I mean some people who hate the doctrine of election. They, they don't flat to, I hate the doctrine of election. Really? God's word? Well, I don't like your interpretation of that. But uh, you have to deal with it if you're going to be honest. Faithful to the Lord. But you know, while there are enemies, God will deal with them in His time, in His way, and He will do it in His truth. God didn't have to fudge anything. What did it say? Look at, uh, we'll look at verse 5 again. He shall reward evil unto mine enemies. Cut them off in thy truth. God doesn't have to tell any lies. God doesn't have to leave anything out. He tells the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Ours is the God of truth. And so He does deal with them. Time and time again we're reminded of that. The first song wasn't too long ago. We were looking at Psalm 1. In fact, if you were here at 945, we talked about Psalm 1. And uh, I would remind you, verses 4 and 5, it says, The ungodly are not so, but like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Here today and gone tomorrow. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. I don't care if the name's Norman Greenball or anybody else, as far as that goes. Now, we see the problem. The solution is also given here. God is presence. Here's the one who said, I will never leave nor forsake you. It comes out pretty clear. Give ear to the words of my mouth. God is listening. God has his ear open to the cry. Ours is a personal helper. And that's the best place for him to be. He is the one who's ready, willing, and able. He is a help in time of need. When you're down to your last, and then the last is gone. You might feel like you're all alone. You might feel that you're misunderstood. You are hated. You know, we talked again this morning in Sunday school about the fact that sometimes you can be just high and then you hit a valley. You know, the old prophet, God vouchsafed himself powerful when he had the Mount of Carmel caused the fire to come down and consume that bull. Boy, that prophet felt pretty good. The people cried out, The Lord is God! But then there was nothing against you ladies. Ladies are just as afraid as men. And there was a wicked queen who said, Well, let's see where he is coming up soon. I'll put the hurt on him. And he says, Exit stage right. I'm getting out of here. He was riding high and then pew! Let me out of here. Feeling sorry for himself. The backside of the desert. 
the Lord said, I've got 7,000 that haven't bent the knee to Baal. If we only knew. Or when the lad was with the prophet and they looked around them and wow, whole bunch of the enemy. He said, the Hebrew version of prophet, we're toast. They're going to get us. And he says, are you kidding? They're more with us than with them. Huh? Maybe you need glasses, prophet. And the prophet said, Lord, open his eyes. And the Lord showed him the whole host of heaven about him. I see now. See, we see with the eye of flesh. My doctor says, you ought to get your eyes checked once a year. Because they don't see as well as I used to see. And he probably knows what he's talking about. But uh, to see with the eye of faith. To see with a spiritual eye. That's how we ought to look. His presence is there. His protection is there. We have a personal helper in the very best place to aid us. We already looked at the 27th Psalm which says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We get kind of chicken when somebody rattles a saber or says such and such, such and such. The uh, 30th, 33rd Psalm, pardon me, and verse 20. Our soul waited for the Lord. He is our help and our sheep. Now, I've got a lot more of my notes about this, but if you're if you're interested, you'll find lots of times it talks about the Lord being our great help. And one <clears throat> that has meant a lot to us is the 121st Psalm. Remember that one? I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? I'm not looking for somebody up in the hill. I'm looking for the one beyond the hill. My help cometh from the Lord. If you are looking to some mountaintop like Olympus, and I remember as a kid we'd read about Superman at his special place on the North Pole, I guess it was, and people said, Wow, I'm glad to know there's somebody up there. But guess what, kid? That, that's make-believe. Mount Olympus, that's make-believe. You don't look to the tops of the hills, the tops of the mountains. You look beyond that. That's where your help comes from. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He's the one that does the protecting. And He's the one who provides. I mean, that's, that's all through the Word. But it's certainly here as well. And so, I submit to you that we take that seriously this helper is also a judge judge me by thy strength not some wimp not somebody that makes a promise and doesn't come through here is this great one in fact this verse reminds us of the saving virtue of God's name the name of the Lord is a high tower the righteous run into it and are safe trust in the Lord trust in the Lord 
Now we still have it on our coins and currency. In God we trust. Maybe hypocrites carry those coins and spend those bills. But it's still true. We're reminded of a verse. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Somebody said, is America a Christian nation? Well, it depends on how you define Christian. There are some Christians in it. There was a godly man in Sodom, but I wouldn't call Sodom a godly city. I think we can relate to what Abraham and Lot saw. I think we can relate to what Jeremiah saw. I believe we're in a time of a remnant. But it behooves us to live for the Lord. You say, what can you do? You can love the Lord. You can keep Him first. But what about everybody else? The Lord tells us what to do and how and why to do it. So, our dependence is on the Lord. Our devotion is to the Lord. I am happy to be a member of this church. I am honored to be a member of this church. But if this church were ever to formally renounce this book and the call of Christ, not that I have anything against this church or any other group of people or any other individual, but my first calling is to Christ. And so is yours. Sometimes people say, <clears throat> I have a lot of friends who, as I know our denomination is pretty, pretty ragged, not much Christian about it. They're ordaining women and lesbians. There you've got a homosexual, you got a female and homosexual. I mean, double striker. And that's the pastor they have. That's their example. That's their spokesman and their leader. And they're proud of that. No. We're perceived as stick in the mud. That poem that Brother Heath used to quote about the two ways makes you think. Because there's a lot more of folks on the broad way that leads to destruction that are on the narrow way that leads to life. Jesus himself said, few there be that find it. And I know some people say, that's talking about going, people going to heaven and going to hell, but it has also been interpreted, those were sold out to the Lord and those were sold out to the devil, to this world, to their own flesh. When they come to a fork in the road, I told Marshall, one of Yogi Berra's famous quotes was, I always tell people when you come to a fork in the road, take it. That's Yogi. But you see, when Moses, Hebrews 11 tells us, he got to a fork in the road. And he's, well, let's see, Mr. Moses, I can go this way with the pleasures and the treasures of Egypt. Hey, I'll be on easy street if I do that. If I just keep my mouth shut about the God of the Hebrews, if I just kind of fit in with them, I might be the future Pharaoh. On the other hand, 
I could identify with a bunch of slaves who were mocked by those who beat them and starved them. Hebrews 11 tells us that he forsook the pleasures and the treasures of Egypt. I'll bet a lot of folks in the palace there said, remember that guy Moses? What an idiot. What a jerk. He, he, he said goodbye. He just kissed him with goodbye. Why? Somebody told me he was on the backside of the desert. <laughs> he's, he's king of a bunch of scorpions. He's leading around a bunch of sheep. Sheep are known for being very strong, very smart, very spiritual. But that was just the training he needed to come back and lead God's people as a flock through the wilderness. You see, to be devoted to God. Here's the man who says, I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I got news for you. Nobody puts a gun to my head and says, you're going to spend your time and your money and your energy serving Jesus Christ. Now Paul says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Somebody said, you know, the Lord loves the cheerful, the preacher loves anybody as long as the money comes in. But we should rejoice at the opportunity. God's work is being done right here in Polk County and various points around the world. And we have a share in that. You think God's going to say, oh, that's nothing? No. We do it voluntarily. Now, God could pick up on ankles and shake it out of you, but he's pleased that we do so voluntarily. And if you do, if you do what the Lord tells you to do, he will bless you. Hmm. If you say, well, I'm going to do it for the blessing. Well, better than not giving. But it would be best to give because it's an act of obedience. And somebody said, well, I'll give something that's just junk. I'm just going to throw it away anyway. Don't forget what David said. I will not give to the Lord what costs me nothing. When you give sacrificially, your husband or wife might not know about it. Your kids or other family members, your fellow workers, your neighbors, they might not have a clue. But the Lord knows. And He is not unfaithful to forget your labor of love. Somebody said, well, you're just saying that because you're preaching. You want more money to go. If money is my or anybody's primary motivation, shame on them. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's another message, though. <clears throat> but think about that. I will freely sacrifice thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. Our thoughts see God as the righteous one. He's the good one. Psalm 100. For the Lord is good. His mercy endureth forever. His truth to all generations. That's what it's about. Not only is He good, He is worthy of our praise. We went to camp was it last year or maybe a couple of years ago? And uh, we gathered the flagpole and said, let's, let's sing. And I said, I wonder if you all know this song. And, and they did. Psalm 18, verse 3. I will call upon the Lord 
who is worthy to be praised. You know, there's some movie stars, people. Oh, oh I got all the movies. I got their autograph. I, I, I got all this stuff. I, I'd spare no expense to spend some time with so-and-so. Make heroes of people who God would say was heroes. But to have a desire to be in the presence of the Lord, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Uh, I don't think you have any delusions about me. I'm not worthy to be praised. I admit it. And if you're spiritual, I hope you'll admit it. you're not worthy to be praised, but it's, it's the Lord who is worthy to be praised. That's what we find again and again in God's Word. Now, there are other passages in the Psalms for time consideration. I won't take you there. But in the book of Revelation, I'm not afraid of the book of Revelation. I know who wrote it. I think I know why he wrote it. In chapter 4, the last verse, verse 11. Creatures in heaven are not up there stroking their egos and saying just how wonderful they are. They're talking about how the Lord is worthy. You want to be more like the heavenly hopes? Talk about how the Lord is worthy. We spend a lot of time considering your own honor. I believe it's in Proverbs where it says, it's not really a good thing to eat too much honey. Likewise, to contemplate your own Lord. Well, I'm really something. Look out. What do they cry? Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. All through history, you find people who distinguish themselves and somebody makes a big deal about it. From the 5th century B.C. on, it was against the Roman Constitution to be a king. Any man who said he was a king, that's why when Pontius Pilate had people come to him about Jesus, they said, he says he's the king of the Jews. That means can't have this guy talking that way, doing that stuff. No. And so that would get your attention. And yet, many of these generals would go out and be victorious and they would come back and have a triumph. That doesn't mean they said, yeah, hey, wait. No, they built this tremendous structure. Some of them still stand from two millennia ago. And on that day, and sometimes even two days, they said, we're going to dispense that king stuff. And so-and-so is a king. We're going to talk about them like they are. Big stuff. Big stuff. But he who is king of kings and lord of lords, he who is that forever, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure, they are and were created. And then similarly, we read about the angels along with the beasts, etc. In chapter 5 and verse 12, saying with a loud voice, 
You know, we want to say, Jesus is okay. No. Why don't God's people lift up their voice? The Lord, He is God. Hmm. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. We're talking about a dedication to the Lord. Somebody said, well, I wish there was some way I could show the Lord how much I appreciate. So people think, if I wear a certain garment, if I make a certain mark someplace, if I do this, if I do that, what kind of sacrifice? We don't slaughter bulls, lambs, turtle doves today. Why not? Christ, our Passover, is sacrifice. Oh, there's no sacrifice for us. Yeah, there is. Hebrews 13, verse 15. By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Maybe once in your life. Maybe once a year. Whenever you feel the notion. No, it's just continually. <laughs> Use your mouth to praise God. Mean it. Paul said, I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. I know I've said it several times, but it certainly rates repeating. You get up and oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, let's get through this song. No. Now, sometimes I don't sing quite as loud as maybe I could because I want to save some vocal cords to be able to break. But uh, the Lord will sustain, I have found, in His time, in His great way. Praise is addressed to Him. I really don't have time. I really don't have much desire to praise men. Oh, I'm thankful for good examples. But the praise, the true praise, goes to the Lord. We honor Him. Now, all through the Psalms, we find praise, 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 praise. If you don't like to praise God, you're not too comfy with the Psalms. <clears throat> Psalm 86 and verse 12, just the one I want to give you right now. I will praise the Lord with a little smidgen of my time. No. With all my heart. And I will glorify thy name forevermore. You think when you get to heaven, you okay, thank you Lord for saving my soul. Now, I want to do what I want to do. I'm going to go where I want to be. I'm going to be around the people I want to be around. And that's not what my mind tells me. We're going to rejoice in Christ. We won't have jobs to go to. We won't have to go to Walmart. We won't have to pay any bills. We won't have any doctor's appointments. No excuses. We are here to honor the Lord. It'll be fulfillment of what David said in the 27th Psalm. One thing of a desire that I might dwell in the presence of the Lord and to behold the beauty of holiness. If holiness isn't beautiful to you, you better get your spiritual eyes checked. And then the last thought. We saw that our dependence is upon God. 
we see that our devotion is to God and our deliverance is by God. God is the one who gets us through. For He hath delivered me, it says in verse 7, out of a few troubles every once in a while. No, I got the wrong version if I read that. For He that delivered me out of, He hath delivered me out of all trouble. And mine eye hath seen His desire upon mine enemy. Here is this great one. It wasn't too long ago that you were with us on the 32nd Psalm. We talk about the Lord who has compassed us. He circled us in a very special way. Psalm 32, 7, Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Does trouble ever come your way? If you're a Christian, oh yes it does. What are your defenses? Do you lay down and lay dead? That's not a good idea. You try to fight it in your own strength? That's not a good idea. You rely upon the Lord? Good. Good morning. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Paul and Silas at 16, they've been beaten and put in the lousiest part of the dungeon. They weren't down. Oh, they're going to hear from my lawyer. <laughs> oh, I'm going to pay him back. Oh, no. They were singing praises to God. The world says, that's crazy. Those many Christians down there. What is their problem? They're not the ones with the problem. That's what we need to know. It's a comprehensive thing. Out of all trouble. Paul knew that. His swan song, as we call it. 2 Timothy. In chapter 4, after he tells Timothy, and I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. So he's getting down to the end, folks. And he says, I've had some really rugged times. But look with me, please, at verses 17 and 18 of this chapter. Notwithstanding, in spite of all adversity, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. A couple of weeks, Lord willing, VBS, they're going to be talking about the book of Daniel. Interesting, they're not just stories, they're narratives of actual deliverance. Daniel saw his friends go in the fiery furnace. And he saw his friends be compelled to according to the king's order, to bow. He said some other things. When you get to chapter 6, these weasels came to the emperor and said, let's make a law. For the next 30 days, anybody prays to any god except one with your A-OK, -okay, they should be thrown in a den of lions. That's a pretty good law, don't you think? Well, I'm sure. Where do I sign? Or whatever he did. So 
Okay, it's what? By the way, there's a guy named Daniel. <laughs> and there's no loophole. Even the emperor could not change the law. And so, he said, my hands are tied, Daniel. Got to do it. Daniel didn't say, you weasel, you're going to have to pay. For it. No, he says, Lord's in control. Amen. That's when you show you got some faith. When it looks like the whole world has got a target on your back. They're aiming at you and they don't plan to miss. And so he said, my faith is in the Lord. And old Darius, he knew Daniel went in that place. And the king couldn't sleep. He was up all night tossing and turning. And he got up real early in the morning. And came there. And he was able to holler where Daniel could hear. He's probably thinking, boy, he's lion food already. They've already eaten him up. But just in case, Daniel, has your God spared you? And he did not hear from the other side, Help! Look out! They're about to wake up. They're going to eat me. No. He said, okay, live forever. The Lord has stopped their mouths. You might think this is the end of the line for me. God can stop the mouths of lions. God can show Himself strong. It's a comprehensive thing. And it's a conclusive thing. The psalmist said time after time, he said, fret not about evildoers. You know, I thought about those stinkers out there. They think they're getting away with all kinds of stuff, but God's keeping good books. God's going to see to that. Moses stood before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And he basically said, I don't think so. Get back to work. Lazy slaves. Make it even harder for them. And after the plagues, his own advisor said, get them out of here! So he said, get! So they did. And then, he said, what was I thinking? Let's go get them. And so here they are with their chariots, riding down on Moses. I guarantee you, when they got to the Red Sea, Moses did not say, Oh no. End of the line. Hey, every dog for himself now. See if he can hide. See if he can surrender. No. He looked of all places toward this large body of water. <clears throat> and he didn't tell them to build boats. He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And so they trucked on through on dry land. And when they got on the other side, he says, I want you to look back at those Egyptians. This is the last time you'll see them alive. What? Egypt, the greatest nation on the face of the earth? Did what? And all God had to do was say, time for the miracle is over. And the waters went back into the bed of the Red Sea. And they saw the chariots smash to smithereens. They saw the bodies of those brave Egyptian soldiers wash up on the shore along with the carcasses of the horses. They saw it. 
They fear the Lord. They do. God is not one to take lightly. And our God today, He's not old. He's not old. He's not weak. He's not feeble. He's not confused or anything like that. It's the same God. We read in Scripture time after time, in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time. Ecclesiastes 3, the wise men said, there's a time for everything, every purpose under heaven. I know what year I was born, 53. Brother Dan in 54. Somebody else in 55, and so on and so on and so on. But just as we had a time to be born, we have a time to die. God is holy our lives. We draw our breath from Him. I hope we take that seriously. And anytime we suppose that uh, we've outsmarted God, we don't need God, you're way, way too big for your spiritual britches. <clears throat> I want to close with Proverbs 16 and verse 33. Because men say, Oh, I got my fingers crossed. I'm hoping on my lucky stars. Come on, come on. I just hope and pray. Last verse in Proverbs 16. The lot is cast into the lap. The world would say, Yeah, it's just a toss of the dice. What you see is what you get. There's nothing to control it. What's the dice are in the air? That's it. Just got to live with it. Win, lose, or draw. That's what the world says. But who controls those dice? Who controls all the affairs that are going on about us? But the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. You think God's ever surprised? <clears throat> I, humanly speaking, I was surprised when I heard the results of the election. November of 2020. <clears throat> I thought to myself, how could that be? Win, lose, or draw, the Lord was behind that. We might not like it. I know I don't. But the Lord is still on the throne. The devil's out there, but he's the Lord's devil. This world attempts to squeeze us into its mold, but we have a word. We have a way to go. May we continue in that way and take seriously that word, even if we have a target on our back. Let's go.